church. It's uh, great to be here and to see your, well, I can't say smiling faces because I don't know what's going on behind those masks. But as they were singing, good, good father, I was thinking, well, what is a good father? A good father is one who loves unconditionally and likes conditionally. Uh, If a person uh, likes unconditionally and loves conditionally, they've got it all backwards. Um, I had a, um, an interesting dad. He was a wonderful dad. Um, he modeled so many uh, principles for us in our lives. Uh, he had a great sense of humor, sometimes all humor and no sense, but uh, he always had a story to tell. And um, I remember when I was a little boy, I came home from vacation Bible school and I was starving. But my mother wasn't home. She was over on the step of the neighbor's house. So I went outside and I I was so upset. I called and I said, you get home here and feed your kids. My dad heard me. So he came out, took me into the bedroom. It was back when you could slap bottoms put me over his knee, pulled my pants down, gave me two whaps. Well, that was embarrassing for a 10-year-old. And so he said, now you go to bed. And so I climbed out the window and I ran away from home. I thought, he will be so sorry that he did this, that he'll never do this again to me. And I was walking in the ditch and um, a car came up, and we had the same car as a neighbor. And he pulled up beside me and said, would you like a drive or a ride? And I went, uh, no thanks. He said, get in the car. It was my dad. And I looked at him, and I said, only if you promise me you'll never spank me again. And he said, I can't promise you that but he had a smile on his face, so I knew it was safe. Now, Mom, I think, got kind of uh, guilty, felt kind of guilty about not having our lunch ready. She said, oh, Clint, you you can't put him to bed. No, he needs his lunch. He needs his lunch. So I got away with it. But you know what? That was conditional-like. It was also unconditional love because you don't, holler at his wife or your mother. He was teaching me a great thing. It never happened again. That was the one and only time I ever got a spanking from my father because I was a model child. And if you believe that, um, check with my seven siblings. Well, my father had a great um, 
sense of humor. We invited them to come to Florida with us one time on a trip, and we went to the Kapok Tree Restaurant. Anybody ever heard of the Kapok Tree Restaurant? Well, it's quite a famous. It was quite a famous restaurant in the Tampa area. You might have four men with towels on their arms, you know, coming to serve you. And my youngest son did something, and I said, "What are you doing?" I gave him that. He said, well, he told me to. And I said, if he told you to crow like a rooster, would you do it? And no longer got that, sooner got that out of my mouth and my dad whispered in my son's ear, crow like a rooster. <laughs> All of a sudden he crowed as loud as he could as a rooster. My dad told that story over and over and every time he told it, he had a belly laugh and he said, you should have seen Blaine and Carol's face. Um, so he had a sense of humor. But one thing that I learned and I pray that I will have in my life and was his value for humanity and God's creation. I was talking with Carol and I said, Carol, do you remember my dad ever saying anything negative about someone? Which I never have. I said, I cannot recall my father ever saying anything negative. He would discuss issues with us, but he would never, ever say anything negative about a person as such. And he'd always say to us, it costs nothing to be nice, but it's expensive to be nasty. So try and leave people better off than you found them. Two weeks ago, Pastor Tammy spoke from Psalm 37, 1 through 7, about delighting yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Last week, Pastor Trent spoke on 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 9, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And I would like to share a few thoughts today around the whole idea of the power of one. Everyone is born with two desires, a desire for unconditional love and a desire for significance. A man whom I had never had met spoke to me at my mother's funeral and he said, she was the only person that ever made me feel like I had value. And my response was, if that's all she did in this life, she fulfilled a great purpose. I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever felt insignificant? Anyone? One, two, three, four, four, yeah. I think we all have felt that once in a while. Well, US Today took a poll and they asked the question, if you could ask God any question, what would it be? And out of all the possibilities, the number one question was this, what is the purpose of my life? With this fast-paced society, people are wondering if what they're doing is any significance at all at the end of day. What have I done? Will it really matter? So Jesus takes a lesson from nature to illustrate a great spiritual truth. He compares us to a single grain of wheat. 
And Jesus answered this concern in his day in John 12, and it says this, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. God has always put great value on the one. Jesus uses the grain of wheat to illustrate the value of the individual. As a boy growing up in Prince Edward Island, I often used to go across the road to the farm and go in the barn, and they had a, a big bin filled with wheat. Do you remember those? And I used to climb into that, and I kind of corkscrew myself down to about here. And then the, that part would be buried in the wheat, and I'd sit down, stand up. I mean, we didn't have cell phones or iPads or anything like this. This was part of our excitement. But you know, when I looked at that, I looked at all this wheat, the bin filled with wheat. But you know, God doesn't look at the bin. He looks at the individual grains and puts power on it. The late Bishop, Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael Ramsey, in his book, The Christian Priest Today, says this, the one person, the one small child, the one small company is of infinite worth to God. The value of the one is the Christian's understanding of the many. If you take nothing away from this message today, take that with you. The value of the one is the Christian's understanding of the many. When you look at that person standing on a street corner asking you, saying, I'm homeless or I need some money, you know, it just kind of, God loves that person. And we do not know what choices they made to end up in this position they're in in life. But you know what? We have to look at them through the eyes of Jesus and say, God loves that person. And we don't know the breaks that they didn't get. You see, Jesus puts the emphasis on the single grain of wheat. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single grain. When one falls and dies, it doesn't negate who we are. It is then that we germinate. And one of our real purposes to discover is one of the truths of this is that we are people of power and influence. Did you know that it is a scientific fact that for every, every person influences 30 times the number of people you know? So if you know a thousand people, your life is influenced indirectly or indirectly 30,000 people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of influence, isn't it? In your mind, think of a single individual uh, who impact and, and what impact or memory that they created for you? Was it positive or was it negative? Just take a moment and think, who really impacted my life? And that person will come 
forward in the front of your mind here for a few moments, and, and then you will think of, of the ramifications of that encounter, how they affected your life one way or another. But in our, you know, in our overpopulated world, it's easy to underestimate the significance of one with so many, most of whom seem so much more prosperous, more important than I. Who am I to think that my part amounts to anything? That's the way most people think. They really do. But aren't you glad that there were those that didn't think that way, like the explorer John Cabot or Henry Ford, uh, Martin Luther King, Winston Churchill, Martin Luther and the Reformation, Charles and John Wesley and the great Methodist movement, or Billy Graham, and the list goes on and on. And you say, but you say, it's a, it was a different world back then. There was room for an individual to emerge and, and, and stand out in a crowd, but not now, no way. Wrong. You look at the, the modern saint, Mother Teresa, one woman. Mother Teresa experienced a, a realization that she would devote her life to serving the poorest of the poor. Among other things, she established the Missionaries of Charity, an organization by the end of her life, had over 4,500 sisters. They operated 610 missions and 123 countries of the world. That's one person responding to the call and the purpose that God had created her for. C.S. Lewis said, our delight is incomplete until we express it. I love that. You know, isn't there something about it? You can delight in something, but until you verbally express it, it's incomplete, or until you put action to your thoughts. Forty-one years ago, along with Carol and my two boys, we stood on the corner of Kent and Queen Street in Charlottetown. I shook my head in disbelief. No way. Can't be done. Here was a young man with one leg battling cancer, attempting to run across Canada to raise money and awareness for the cancer research. Terry Fox didn't make it all the way, but his influence is still being felt in our world, and to date, over $800 million have been raised worldwide for cancer research in Terry's name through the annual Terry Fox Run held across Canada and around the world. One man with one leg who was terminally ill the Power to Change ministry, originally uh, called Campus Crusade for Christ, started with Bill Bright and his wife, Vonette, at UCLA, and now it is in 5,300 campuses around the globe. God has always underscored individual involvement and still does. How many did it take to help the victim who got mugged on the Jericho Road. Shout it out if you know. One. How many did it take? Uh, how many were chosen 
uh, God to confront Pharaoh and lead the Exodus? One. How many sheep got lost and became the object of the concern of the shepherd? One. How many were needed to confront front adulterous David and bring him to his knees in repentance? How many prophets were called to stand before wicked King Ahab and protect a drought? One. How many did the Lord use to get the attention of the land of Palestine and prepare the way for the Messiah? Never underestimate the power of one. Many centuries ago, a woman almost did. She thought that things were too far gone, and, and she didn't think there was anything that she could do. It was only a matter of time before all the Jews would be exterminated. Her name was Esther. She was the Jewish wife of the Persian king Xerxes, who was about to be tricked into doing an irrevocable, disastrous decision. All Jews would be exterminated. But the tide could be turned by guess how many? One. Esther's adoptive father, Mordecai, realized that she alone held the keys to the king's heart. She appealed, appealed to her conscience, if you remain silent at this time, you and your father's house will perish. She listened to his impassioned plea, and what got her attention was the final line. And who knows that you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. That did it. She broke with long-standing protocol, marched into the throne room, spoke her mind. She rescued the Jews from the Holocaust. One woman, one voice, saved an entire nation. As is true of everybody who stands in the gap, she was willing to get personally involved to the point of great sacrifice. Or as she said, if I perish, I perish. I, I couldn't sleep this morning, so I was up like about uh, three o'clock. And so I watched a movie on Esther today, this morning, <coughs> for about an hour. And it was interesting watching all the dynamics. It's a great read. If you've never read the book of Esther, why don't you try doing that this afternoon? She didn't think that someone else could do it, not me, nor did she ignore the need because of the risk. Sacrifice is the stuff of which people who make a difference are made. Now, before you toss all this out and say, that's for someone else, how much difference can I make? Then go back in your mind and review the value of one. Edward Everett Hale wrote, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. I believe that the tapestry of our lives are being woven for such a time as this. We have people that have influences over the years. We have experiences. And you know that tapestry takes on depth by the dark colors. And a lot of times we go through pain and adversity 
in our lives that God can take and use. Never waste it. God can use it. Peter Sage said, every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. So we set aside all excuses and you ask yourself, what should I be doing? Well, I went for a walk this week one day. My grandson, he's 12 years old, was walking with me. And we met people along the way, and I'd always say, hi, how are you doing today? It's a great day. And, and they'd answer back, and he said, why do you speak to everybody you meet? And I said, well, um, I explained that, you know, some people feel invisible and alone. And maybe the only person that has spoke, shown them any recognition is a stranger on their walk. I said, you know, when a young person greets me, I really, feel, I really appreciate it. There's just something about it. If a young person comes along and says, how are you doing today, sir? I said, I'm doing great, thanks. Well, he said, well, what if they're cranky looking? I said, well, maybe your good wishes will take the crank out of them. You see, we all have purpose. And uh, it's just living, valuing the people around you, looking at our world through the eyes of Christ. We're like a grain of wheat, unless it's used. You know, when we die out to ourselves, our own fear, and let God use us in the moment, we germinate and uh, replenish. Yes, you alone can make a difference. You know, remember back in 205, Paul Martin's government was saved from defeat by, do you know how many votes? One vote. The power of one, the story of Esther, it shows us that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And with God's help, we can step out in faith and fight our fears. Our past doesn't dictate our future. God places mentors in our lives to teach us wisdom. Our strength does not come from us. In 1 John it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And loving others is the most beautiful thing you can do. Jesus replied when they said, what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. We can make an impact for generations. It's like the song that you sang, the blessing this morning. You are people of power and influence. And who you are does make a difference. Back before there was tweeting and... Uh, all those others, you know, uh, Messenger and um, was, was some, you know, this whole lot. Um, there was email. That's all we got. And uh, there was one lady, her name was Suganthi, and she would send me these wonderful emails that just kind of inspired me. I knew every time she sent me, it'd be one I would want to read. Lots of them I didn't bother. Just delete it and go on because you get so many but she sent me this one that really impacted my life, and I shared this with you about 11 years ago, or 10 years ago, 
this particular email. A teacher in a high school, when it came time to graduate, she called each one of her students up and she gave them a ribbon, a pinned a ribbon on them, and it said, who I am makes a difference. And then she told them why they made a difference in her life that year. She gave them three extra ribbons. She said, I want you to go and pin a ribbon on someone who made a difference in your life. And you leave them with a ribbon and then the extra ribbon so that they in turn can go and express their appreciation to someone else. So one student went to a young junior executive. He was there to shadow him and uh, helping him with uh, f deciding about a career. And he went in and told him what had happened, the teacher, and he said, I have this ribbon. Would you allow me to print that on you? Uh, it says, who I am makes a difference. And he told him how much he appreciated him. And he said, I'm going to give you two ribbons, and you pin one on somebody that has impressed you and give them a ribbon to pass it on. So the junior executive went to his boss and he said, I look at you as a genius. And he said, I wondered if you'd mind if, if I pin this ribbon on you. And he went, wow, a genius. Well, that's great, you know. And he said, he pinned it on him. He said, now I want you to take this ribbon and I want you to pin it on someone who's impacted your life. And he thought about it. And as he was driving home, he was thinking, Ah, you know, my teenage son. I get on his back all the time about not doing his homework, not picking up, doing his chores, cleaning his room, and I just need to let him know that he really impacts my life. And so he got home and he called his son in and he told him about this guy thinks that I'm a a business genius, can you believe that? But he gave me an extra ribbon, and I want to pin it on you. I know I've been hard on you, I've been riding you, and he said, I just want you to know that I love you and value you. And the young guy just started crying, and he said, Dad, I just wrote a note saying I was going to take my life because I didn't feel like I mattered to anybody and that I didn't have any value. And that really kind of spoke to me in a very definite way. It spoke to me so much that I went out and I bought myself 500 blue ribbons that said, who I am makes a difference. And they look sort of like this. This is just a photocopy. And I pinned it on different people. I went to them and said, this is why you made a difference in my life. And you know what? It changed the way I look at people and interact with people. I look for the value, and I look for the value that they have invested in the tapestry of my life. Never underestimate the value that you are to your own personal value. Because we are God's workmanship or handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. How more special can you feel than that? That God has already prepared in advance the good works for you and me. 
And it might be just greeting that person on the walk. Maybe you're the first person to speak to them. And it's been a rough year for a lot of people with the isolation. Might be a phone call, a letter. Just allowing people to know that they matter in your life. I think one of the greatest honors and tribute that can be made is to say, they always made me feel like I had value. God has created you for a purpose for such a time as this. Your tapestry has been woven. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you, and the Lord help you to see his world through his eyes, and may you really impact and instill within people a sense of value. have received the communion elements on your way in. If you have not, um, and you would like to have one of the ushers uh, hand it out to you, feel free to just kind of put your hand up, and they'll come around and give you one. The message, thank you so much, the power of one. And communion represents and reminds us of the power of the one and only Son of God, who through his life, his death, and his resurrection has made a way for all of us. In this one man who lived in obedience to the Father and the love of humanity has changed all of reality. And we as followers of Jesus Christ give him glory and praise. This one man, this perfect man, this God-man, this man of mystery invites and is knocking at the door of your heart today. And if you have not yet said yes to following Jesus, today is the day to follow that one man and to allow that to change everything in your entire life. For you to become a new creation, for you to enter into a new covenant, a new promise with our creator. Communion reminds us of these things. The Lord himself ordained this holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and the wine emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This is his table. This is his feast for his disciples. Let all who have with true repentance forsaken their sins and believed in Jesus Christ unto salvation draw near today to take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your soul's comfort and joy, let us remember that it is the memorial of his death and the passion of our Lord. And it's also a reminder of his coming again. May we not forget this. Heavenly Father, as we prepare ourselves for communion, it's with your tender mercy that you call us and you woo us, you love us, you see us as the one, you chase after us. Lord, we ask that you hear us and we, we humbly ask for you to be a part of this time of remembrance, part of this sacrament. 
Lord, thank you for modeling the way through Jesus Christ for how we live and act in this world. Amen. So we are reminded that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to it and he broke it and he said uh, to his disciples, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he said, it, he said to them saying this, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. So whether at home you have uh, bread and a cup with you, whether here uh, you can take out the bread now. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you, may it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for you. May it preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you and be thankful. Friends, it has been a joy being here in service with you. It's been a joy uh, having you join us online. Thank you for coming and being a part of our community of faith today. We encourage you that as you leave here physically on your way out, uh, be sure to say hello to one another. But uh, if you can, please do that in the parking lot where you can have space to spread out and even have your masks off. But while we're inside, just be mindful of the distance that we want to maintain. Lord, bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May his spirit be poured out upon you this day. Go in peace. Amen.